You can't separate the leader from the culture. The leader drives the culture. Positive leadership is the way forward. And it's not just a nice way to lead your team. It's how you need to lead your team to get through challenging times like this and to ultimately thrive. We all need a team to be successful. So getting better means better together. Being positive doesn't just make you better. It makes everyone around you better. You have to be a positive leader to be a great leader. You have to be a positive team in order to be a great team. The voice you just heard is John Gordon, one of the most prolific and best-known business and personal development authors in the world today. John has written numerous best-selling books, most notably The Energy Bus, which I listed not long ago as one of the 10 books that has most changed my life. Too Blessed to be Stressed and Better Today Than Yesterday became indelible phrases that have guided my life since I first read that book many years ago. John has continued to inspire readers and audiences all around the world through his books and his messages about the power of positive energy and positive leadership. We're not positive because life is easy, he says. We're positive precisely because life is challenging. And living with positive energy is the best and most certain way to enjoy success and fulfillment. John's principles have been put to the test by countless Fortune 500 companies, school districts, hospitals, college and professional sports teams, and nonprofits. I'm deeply honored and grateful today to bring you the life-changing concepts of John Gordon. Welcome to Changing Lives Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. This podcast was originally created to spotlight the leaders, alumni, and friends of the Cutco Vector Marketing community who are leveraging their positive influence to empower people all over the world to change their lives. Every few weeks, we go outside of the Cutco Vector sphere to bring you a guest who is teaching others how to have a more successful and fulfilling life, both personally and professionally. The special guests we bring to you here in episodes like today's are successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. The lessons they share are compelling, real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome, everybody. I'm really, really honored today to have John Gordon as a guest. John is the author of 23 books, many of which have become bestsellers internationally and on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list and others. His work has been felt all throughout the world on the topics of leadership, culture, sales, and teamwork. He also has worked with champions in sports, both professionally and in college to help bring his principles into that realm as well. And he wrote The Energy Bus, which is one of my all-time favorite books that I have ever read in my life. I'm deeply honored to have you here today, John. Thanks so much for making time for the podcast. Dan, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, and thanks to John Rulin for introducing us. I'm grateful to John uh, uh, that we've been able to connect here. I'm interested in finding out a little bit about your personal background, John, because I find in your writing something that was pretty interesting is you said that you're not naturally a positive person. And I think it's just so noteworthy that you've become known for this principle of positive leadership. 
What can you tell us about uh, your personal background and your evolution? Well, it's very ironic to me that this is my life's work about positivity, positive leadership, building strong and positive teams, because I am not naturally positive. So I grew up in Long Island, New York, in a Jewish-Italian family, a lot of food, a lot of guilt, a lot of wine, a lot of whining. And so my family was not very positive. I was not very positive. And around 31 years old, my wife came up to me and she said, I love you, but I'm not going to spend my life with someone who makes me so miserable. Like You need to change. And she was going to leave if I didn't change. So I had to change. And I made a commitment right then and there. I was going to become a more positive person. So I started to research ways that I could be more positive. This was during the emerging field of positive psychology. And as I started to research, I started to practice a lot of these ideas, started to have an impact on my life. And I found my calling you know, doing this work. I was just trying to change myself, get better myself. But in the process, being positive doesn't just make you better. It makes everyone around you better. And so I became a better husband, a better father, a better leader, and started sharing this message with others wrote the energy bus that took off not right away took five years for it to become a bestseller i had to walk the walk right live the principles overcome adversity overcome negativity find my way find my voice and along the way the energy bus then brought me to all these different opportunities where i would visit teams professional college companies school districts and start speaking and also learning so while i was there i was learning from all these great leaders and teams that I was working with. And that became the basis for the power of positive leadership and the power of a positive team. What makes great leaders great? What makes great teams great? And again, I would argue you have to be a positive leader to be a great leader. You have to be a positive team in order to be a great team. Yeah, for sure. And I've definitely experienced seeing that firsthand working with many, many leaders in my business, and also just trying to evolve my own leadership style over time. There's times where I feel like I've, I've thought, hey, you know, maybe I'm going to try a different angle here and see if like a negative style can motivate this particular person. And there might be, you know, snippets where that sort of style has its place. But for the most part, just creating a positive culture is such a huge factor in the success of anybody that I've seen that's a great leader. Yeah. Being a positive leader is not about you're not demanding. Like as a positive leader, you're demanding. You're just not demeaning. You're loving. Mm. You're not enabling. You have high standards, low tolerance for excuses. Like we're not going to allow you to be anything but your best. Like we're going to push you to be your best because we believe in you. We believe in what you can create. We believe in what we're going to create together in this future. And because you believe the best is yet to come, you take the actions necessary to create the best outcome. And so it's based on belief, but it's also based on excellence. Like we're here to win. We're here to succeed. We're here to accomplish great things, but we're going to do it in a positive, loving, caring, encouraging way. Love and accountability are the keys to positive leadership. I love you, but I'm going to hold you accountable to the standards of our values, our principles, our culture, and our quest for excellence. And when you bring those two together, you become a very powerful leader. I think that's such a great uh, way of blending those 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 concepts together of uh, you know making sure that you are uh, having a low tolerance for excuses, but you know doing it in a, in a way that's loving. Cutco and Vector Marketing have such a family culture that the love side sort of comes pretty easy for a lot of us, but that that accountability side is a key piece that has to go with it. 
and, and having it done in the right way is really an important idea. In family cultures, it's hard. I've been brought into family cultures before, even billion dollar businesses that are run by families. And as they move towards more accountability, they find it difficult because there's a lot of love. There's a lot of great relationships, but no one wants to hold anyone accountable. No one wants to rock the boat and have those difficult conversations. But what we realize is to be a great team, you have to have both the love and the accountability. And because I love you, I'm not going to let you settle for anything less than your best. And I want you to be your best. So I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to challenge you. I call it love tough instead of tough love. Tough love no longer works, but love tough does. And so I love you. I earn the right to challenge you. We built a relationship. I'm pouring into you. I'm investing in you. And I earn the right to now challenge you. And so you can be a great family, but you may not be a great team if you don't have the accountability piece. And and we have these kind of conversations with family-run businesses as they start talking about this. And once you set the standard of expectations, this is what we expect, these are the standards, then everyone understands that. They now have to work to meet those standards. That allows those conversations to happen more naturally. But we have to have the difficult conversations, which so many shy away from. Nick Nurse, coach of the Toronto Raptors, when they won the NBA championship, he put an elephant on his desk. And it was a reminder that anyone who came into his office, they were going to talk about the elephant in the room. They were going to deal with the real issues. They would address things so things would not go unaddressed. And in doing so, they had great conversations that led to a greater commitment, more psychological safety, some fights, but also out of that came a greater intimacy and strength as a team. So often we don't like the fights, we're scared of them. But if you have the difficult conversations in an honest, transparent way, that fighting actually leads to intimacy and growth. Mm. Boy, I, I love that, John. That was so good right there and definitely uh, really, really instructive, valuable information for a lot of the young leaders that I know I work with. Is it true that George, the main character in the energy bus, was uh, based on your own struggle with negativity and, and adversity? Totally. I wrote about that in the no complaining rule, I believe, in the intro and shared that truth. A lot of people don't know that. George was based on me. He's miserable. He's negative. His wife's about to leave him. His team at work is in disarray. He basically represented my life at the time where I was just negative and miserable. So he was easy to write about. <laughs> so cool that uh, you took uh, experiences from your own life and turned it into such a great training tool for people to learn and develop. I know in the energy bus, you say that we should develop the skill of positive energy by practicing. What are some ways that we can do this? Well, you have to feed yourself each day in order to feed others. If you don't have it, you can't share it. The best advice I ever heard is from Dr. James Gills, the only person on the planet to complete six double Ironman triathlons. That's a double Ironman, which means you do an Ironman, a day later do another one. And the last time he did it, he was 59 years old. He was asked how he did it. He said, I've learned to talk to myself instead of listen to myself. Hmm. He said, if I listen, I hear all the fear, all the negativity, all the doubt, all the reasons why I can't finish this race. But if I talk to myself, I can feed myself with the words and the encouragement that I need to keep on moving forward. And so we got to feed ourselves each day with words of encouragement, with truth, with words of affirmation that keep us going. The word encourage means to put courage into. So when you are encouraging yourself, you're putting courage into yourself. When you're encouraging others, you're putting courage into them. 
Chewy Cathy said, how do you know if a man or woman needs encouragement? If they're breathing, we all need encouragement. And Zig Ziglar, the famous motivational speaker when he was alive, he was told, Zig, motivation doesn't last. And Zig replied, neither does bathing. It's why you have to do it every day. Exactly. And so we do need encouragement every single day. We need to encourage ourselves. We need to talk to ourselves instead of listen. So you do have to feed yourself. And the number one thing that I've done over the years is a, is a gratitude walk. The research shows you can't be stressed and thankful at the same time. So if you're feeling grateful, if you're feeling blessed, you will not feel stressed. And so every day, just about for the past 16, 17 years, I take a walk of gratitude. And while I'm walking, I'm flooding my brain and body with these positive emotions that uplift me rather than the stress hormones that slowly drain me. Think about that. It's a practice, weeding the negative, feeding the positive. The garden of your mind starts to look magnificent the more you do this. Weed the negative, feed the positive. One day, won't do a whole lot, but do it for a week, a month, a year, seven years, a lifetime. The garden of your mind looks amazing. And so every day you're feeding yourself with this positivity to take on the day to take on the challenges, to overcome adversity, to keep going, to have the grit to, to keep going, to overcome and, and to ultimately succeed. And so that's what we need to do on a daily basis. So gratitude has been my thing. And when you appreciate, you elevate. You elevate your mood, your performance, and the people around you. And so a morning gratitude practice and a morning routine of that. So I walk, I practice gratitude, then I, then I pray, then I'm also speaking things into existence. I accept all the people that want to work with me. I accept all the people who want to benefit from my, my gifts and talents, help me inspire and encourage those who are meant to help. You know, I receive all the, the companies and the great events that want me to speak. I've done that over the years, and it's amazing how people call, they'll reach out. I'll have people say, hey, I was in the bookstore. I don't know what happened, but I just saw your book on the shelf. Didn't even know anything about you and just picked this book up and started reading it. Happens all the time. Can't explain why or how, but I am always trying to speak things into existence. So it's a routine and that, that gratitude feeds the positive each day. This is not Pollyanna positive. People need to understand. It's not about seeing the world through rose-colored glasses. It's knowing that you have the power to overcome the thorns. It's not about ignoring reality. Like, okay, we're going through a tough time. This is about maintaining optimism and belief and faith in order to create a better reality. So this is the real stuff that makes great leaders, great teams, and people successful. A research from Duke University shows that optimists work harder, get paid more, and are more likely to succeed in business and sports. And what they found was that these optimists, because they believed in a brighter and better future, Dan, they took the actions necessary to create it. It became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Think about that. What you believe so often determines what you create. And leadership is a transfer of belief. Sales is a transfer of belief. So it's essential to succeed. Yep. Amazing. I have used the phrase too blessed to be stressed so many times, John, when somebody's asked me how I'm doing and they know I'm busy and have a lot of things going on. And, um, you know, if obviously I got that directly from you in the energy bus. And, uh, uh, that's one of the ways that I talk to myself is just, uh, reminding myself that I'm definitely too blessed to be stressed. I want to talk John about how we can implement the power of positive energy as a leader of a team or an organization in the power of positive leadership. You talk about building a positive team at the culture level. How does that start? It all starts at the cultural level. What do we value? What do we stand for? investing in the root of the tree, not the fruit. So often we focus on our numbers 
our stock price, our wins, our losses, and we ignore the root, our culture, our people, our relationships. And if you focus on the fruit and you ignore the root, what happens to the tree? It dies. It dies. But if you invest in the root and you make it your number one priority, you have a great supply of fruit. So at the cultural level, what do we value? What do we stand for? What do we believe? What do we want to be known for? And that is your culture, investing in that and then talking about it as a team. Hey, this is what we stand for. Let's not allow negativity to sabotage our team. This is the benefits of positivity. Here's the cost of negativity. Here's how negativity will sabotage us. Here's how we continue to work together. Here's how we overcome energy vampires, as I wrote about in the energy bus. Mm -hmm. One person can't make a team, but one person can break a team. You talk about these things at the cultural level, standards of behavior. This is what we're going to focus on. This is how we do things here. And then when it happens, you reinforce it. You recognize it. You support it. When you see the other thing happening, the bad stuff happening, you call it out. You make sure that it doesn't happen. You address it. You don't allow it to breed and grow. The biggest mistake leaders make is they do not address the negativity that sabotages their team. So it persists, it exists, eventually sabotages the team. We've got to address it. We've got to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, that that was great stuff right there that uh, any leader can take and think about, uh, you know, what do you stand for? What do you want to be known for? What are your most important values? Talking about it with your team, recognizing the things that are happening that you want, and then calling out the things that are happening that you don't want. So excellent stuff right there. John, I know you've worked with Clemson University and Dabo Sweeney. I was in the stadium when Clemson won their second recent championship a couple of years ago, where they beat Alabama very soundly. Tell us about your experiences working with Dabo. Well, I worked there for the past nine years with Dabo, speaking every year to the team, sometimes twice a year before big games. And Dabo is just an incredible, positive leader. When he got the job at Clemson, he was meeting with the team for the first time. And he brought in two sides with him to that meeting. One said, believe. And the other one said, I can't. With the T crossed out. The minute he took over, he changed the mindset and the belief and the culture of that program. I met a guy who was on that team and they said it was like BD before Dabo, right? <laughs> and beforehand, it was it had, they had a culture and it was completely different. The minute he took over, the culture changed. So you can't separate the leader from the culture. The leader drives the culture and Dabo has driven that culture from his personality, his high expectations, his love that he has for his players, how they feel it his authenticity and transparency. Guy's amazing. I've worked with a lot of leaders. I think he's one of the, probably the best leader I've ever worked with. He's that good as a leader, very intentional. And you see him on TV, but I don't think people realize how intentional he is behind the scenes and how smart he really is because he comes across as folksy, but he's a really intelligent, smart guy. I love the phrase over-believer that uh, he uses. Instead of overachiever. he says over-believer. But that was pretty cool. Well, someone said to him, Dabo, are you an overachiever? He said, no, I'm an overbeliever. And so <laughs> it's his belief that has driven his achievement. I met a guy who worked with Dabo in a sales office for real estate when Dabo got fired from University of Alabama as an assistant. So the head coach got fired. So all the assistants got fired too. Dabo went to go work in commercial real estate. So now this guy is working with Dabo in the office. He said Dabo came in, fired up every day, ready to go to work, ready to impact clients, believing they were going to build this incredible 
business and they took off. He said, our business soared when Dabo came in and we were like selling like you wouldn't believe, making millions, just having a huge success. Dabo went back into coaching as an assistant in Clemson, eventually getting the head coaching job. Think about it. The same guy who was selling in that commercial real estate office was the same coach. And it's why he was successful in both places. The guy said, working with him, same exact kind of personality and attitude. And it just shows you these principles, these behaviors, the things we talk about are transferable to business and sports. They apply the same. Yeah. I also love, John, where you talked about being in the locker room after Clemson won the first of their recent championships, the 2016 season. And at the end of the game, Dabo was talking to his team, not just about the achievement and the moment, but also about their future in life, their future as men, their future as leaders. And he was really trying to draw a line between what they had just done and all the great success they could have in other areas of life down the road as well. I thought that was really insightful and really inspiring. Yeah, it was inspiring. He just said, hey, don't let this be the best moment of your life. Go be great husbands, be great fathers, go make a difference in the world. This can't be your greatest moment. You have to look forward to creating more. And he was basically saying, yeah, you won a national championship, but your best moments are ahead of you. And I heard Mac Brown said something very similar when Texas won the national championship. He said something similar. I think Dabo was inspired by him. Awesome. So cool. John, you know, we've been through a crazy year here in the, the last one year with the pandemic. Do you have any insights relating to leading remote teams or ideas that have evolved for you over the past year? Totally. I mean, you have to innovate and adapt during this time. And so this was a time of doing things differently. There's a formula that, that we came up with called the adaptability formula. And it's E plus PBI equals O the events in our life, plus our perspective, right? Our belief about what's possible in the future. And then how we innovate, the actions we take to innovate will determine our outcome. And we have seen firsthand who innovated during this time, who didn't. You had to adapt. If you didn't adapt, you were left in the dust. And this was a time to adapt, to grow and to learn and improve. And as a team, my team, we really adapted. We innovated. I'm very proud of what we have done. We created a virtual leadership program that we were doing physically. And in one month, we created a new virtual program that we had delivered over five times in the last year to all these different leaders around the country and around the world that took our training and loved it. Very innovative, fun, engaging breakout rooms, very intimate people still felt connected, like it was very personal. And that is a great example of a team that had to learn how to adapt. We also created a teenage program, Positive Leadership for Teenagers during this time. We said, how can we help all these young people deal with stress and anxiety and fear? And so we did this leadership program. If a teenager did not have the money, we offered a scholarship. They just had to write an essay. So we reached thousands of teenagers during this time as well, through our leadership workshops that we have done during this time. So just finding ways to innovate and adapt. And that's what I learned. I mean, John Maxwell says a crisis will reveal three things about you, who you are, what you value, and what you believe. And I realized during this time who I am as an encourager. I knew my number one job was to encourage people during this time. I valued people and relationships 
more than ever. I realized how important that was. So I reached out to my past clients. I reached out to people offering ways to help and be there for them. And that has been really a, a, a special thing during this difficult time. And then I realized what I believed. And I believe in this work more than ever. I realized how important it is especially during this time with so many reeling, with so much fear, with so much anxiety, people looking for answers. I realized that positive leadership is the way forward and they find a way forward. And it's not just a nice way to lead your team. It's how you need to lead your team to get through challenging times like this and to ultimately thrive. So for me, more convicted than ever, more passionate than ever about this work. And out of tragedy, right? I lost my uncle the other day to COVID and out of suffering and what people have gone through and your heart breaks for them, there still was so many beautiful, wonderful things that came out of it. So many relationships deepened in so many ways. Some struggled, but many deepened. So many teams came together in a powerful way, in a meaningful way. So many relationships were strengthened during this time. Yes, so many were weakened and divorces happened, but also so many relationships got stronger. I think before COVID, if you had a gap in your relationship, a gap in your leadership. If you had some sort of issue during COVID, it became a canyon if you did not address the things that you needed to address. So it was the great separator, showing that leadership is more important than ever, culture is more important than ever, relationships are more important than ever. Exactly. Thanks for those great insights, John. As we wrap this up here, one of the most memorable phrases for me in the energy bus is better today than yesterday. That has stuck in my head for many, many years since I first read the book. John, how do you continue to get better every day? Well, you have to win today. Can't worry about tomorrow. The goal is to win today. And then you identify what win today means to you. I was talking to a Navy SEAL on my podcast, Positive University, in April, Chad Wright. And Chad said, John, a lot of guys trying to be a Navy SEAL don't make it because they don't make it through Hell Week. They don't make it through Hell Week because they're longing for it to be over. They're dreaming for it to end. He said, the ones who make it just want to make it to breakfast. And I realized that was the key to getting through this challenging time, to not worry about tomorrow, but to win today, get better every day. So for me, it was like, I'm going to stay positive, not allowing the negativity to get to me. I was going to improve myself on a daily basis, read. I took two walks a day instead of my usual one to stay sane, to get healthy. I was doing about six miles a day working on my basketball game, improving that way, reading and just growing in that way. And then also looking for ways to encourage people in order to get better. And I just turned 50 in January, January 20th. And when you turn 50, it's like, okay, how do I want to live the next half of my life? Because in my mind, I'm going for a hundred. That's my goal. In the words of the great American philosopher, John Bon Jovi, I'm halfway there living on a prayer. And so I want to make a difference even more so in the last half than the first half. How can I make a difference? So getting better to me means you're getting better for others and to make an impact for others. And also knowing that you can't do it alone. We all need a team to be successful. So getting better means better together. We're better together. And then together we accomplish amazing things. So it's about team. We were made to be part of a team. And building your team, working with your team is essential. And that's why I'm so passionate about the power of a positive team as well. Brilliant. Brilliant, John. Any last words of wisdom for the uh, Cutco Vector audience? Well, 
we love Cutco. We have Cutco knives. We recommend Cutco. We give gifts, Cutco gifts. And so I just think the world of Cutco. I think one of the key lessons you have to learn is do not waste your energy on those who don't get on your bus. Not everyone is going to get on your bus. Don't beat yourself up. Don't waste your energy worrying why they didn't get on. Learn from it, but then keep your energy so you can move forward and have more energy to ask more people to get on. The more you do that and you look forward, not backwards, what will happen is you will have a standing room only bus. Post a sign that says, no energy vampires allowed. As Gandhi said, I will not let anyone walk through my mind with their dirty feet and neither should you. So keep going, stay positive. Don't allow the negativity to bring you down. Recognize that we create from the inside out the powers on the inside, not the outside. There's always going to be negativity, forces, adversity, circumstances beyond your control. So control what you control, move forward each day with that positive mindset, and you will create the future that you want. You just have to work hard along the way to get it. So powerful, John. I love your work in uh, The Power of Positive Leadership. You wrote the best legacy you could leave is not some building that's named after you or a piece of jewelry, but rather a world that has been impacted and touched by your presence, your joy, and your positive actions. That To me, that phrase sums you up so perfectly. The world has been greatly impacted by all of your amazing work. I'm super grateful to have had you here as a guest on the podcast today. Thanks so much. Thanks, Dan. Really appreciate you and what you're doing. Thanks so much. All right. That was John Gordon, everybody. I'm so grateful that he took time out of his very busy schedule, which he was describing to me of keynotes and other speaking engagements and other things that he's doing to squeeze in some time for me and for this great audience here that we have. Some people are starstruck when they meet celebrities or so-called influencers. I'm starstruck when I meet a guy like that who's making a real difference in the world through great work that he does. And thanks to John Rulin for connecting us. I wrote a blog a number of years ago that was called uh, The 10 Books That Changed My Life. It's on my webpage, dancassetta.com. Click on blogs, scroll down, you'll find it. And the energy bus was one of the 10. And the essence of the energy bus is the concept that every interaction we have with others either gives people energy or takes away some of their energy. Consider the idea that there are no zeros, right? We're always either giving someone energy or we're taking away a little bit of their energy. And so think about the interactions you've had today. Think about the people who you are around on a daily basis. Are you giving energy? Or are you the energy vampire that John describes in the energy bus that's sucking out the energy from other people? Oftentimes that happens when people are negative. And being positive makes everyone around you better. It doesn't only make you feel better, but it makes everyone around you feel more energized, excited, motivated, inspired, right? It just creates a much better vibe. And if we can all bring that positive energy to every interaction, imagine how much better the entire world experience can be for all of us. Now, this is also not a Pollyanna concept. I love what John writes in one of his books where he says, we are positive not because life is easy, 
We are positive because life can be hard. Right? We are all experiencing challenges and difficulty on a day-to-day basis. And bringing positive energy to our experiences, to our life, is not about ignoring that. It's about a better way to handle that that helps people handle their difficulties with more grace and with more enthusiasm and with more confidence about what's next in their future. I also love how John presented the idea that positive leaders are demanding without being demeaning, that positive leaders have a low tolerance for excuses. They provide both love and accountability at the same time. And I would really encourage you to dig into some of John's books like The Power of Positive Leadership or The Power of a Positive Team to get more insights on that. He called it love tough instead of tough love. I thought that was really cool. Now, to practice the idea of positive energy for yourself, John talked about the importance of feeding yourself every day. What are you feeding yourself every day? It's so important to feed yourself good information. Audios like this can be so much more valuable than just the information you get because of the feelings they create inside you of inspiration and motivation. Talk to yourself, he said, rather than listening to that little voice that can discourage you. Uh, John recommended taking gratitude walks once or twice a day to help reset yourself. And He also said to build the foundation for a positive team at the culture level, at the roots, not the fruit, thinking, what do you value? What do you stand for? What do you want to be known for? And then talking about those things with your team, talking about the benefits of positive culture, as well as the drawbacks that can happen when negativity enters into a culture so that people understand what's expected, what's tolerated. What are the norms in your organization? John writes in one of his books, Shout, Praise, Whisper, Criticism. And I think this applies as well here when you're trying to build a positive team. Shouting praise for all the things you want to have repeated, but then calling out the things that you do not want to have repeated. And generally, those that type of calling out is done one-on-one you know, with an individual to help them to learn. How do you make this all happen in your life? Well, I love what John said. He said, win today. Win today. What could you implement from what you learned from John Gordon to make your life better today, to bring positive energy to others today, and then do it again tomorrow? And this way of operating will become a part of who you are. It will become the norm for you as a leader and What's really great is that one positive leader can inspire many others. A great leader can create so many other great leaders who carry on this way of operating into other places and help spread that ripple effect all throughout life. I love what John said from Dabo Sweeney, where after Clemson won the national championship, he said, hey, make sure that this is not the best moment of your life. Make sure your best moments are ahead. And I think that's a great challenge to leave everyone with today to make sure that your best moments are ahead of you as you continue to grow and evolve in your leadership and in your ways of operating and being on a daily basis in your interactions with everyone else. Hope you enjoyed this today, everybody. 
Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.